Guide her by your spirit, that each of us will have ears to hear what you have to say to us, and that uh, we will be richly encouraged. We thank you for her and for her willingness to share with us tonight. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Thanks, Julie. Isn't it nice to be here tonight? I've just loved it. Um, I just have so enjoyed being able to take some time and space away from the busyness of our lives, just to spend time with people and to be asked, be able to ask a few more questions. I don't know about you, but I've been coming to this church since I can remember and bringing my kids to the playgroup here for a few years now. And just often the conversations are quite brief or get cut short or interrupted. And so it's been so nice just to have that time to delve a bit deeper, ask a few more questions. They're precious nights, aren't they? Yeah, they are. It's such a privilege to be able to share from God's word with you tonight. And I've really been praying that your hearts will be open to what God has to say to you. And I've been praying a lot this week that he will challenge you in the way that he has been challenging me over these past few weeks. But before we begin, we're going to do something a little bit different tonight. Um, Something that maybe you don't get much time to do in your regular day-to-day or maybe something you haven't actually done before. On your table, you will find a copy of the psalm that we are going to be looking at tonight. And I actually want to give you just some time and space in the quiet for you actually just to read this through for yourself, just to soak God's words in before I talk to them. And just take some time, just with you and God, just to prepare your hearts for what he has to say to you. So I'm just going to give you a minute or two to do that now. Try and read the words carefully. I am a chronic skim reader, so try and let it soak in a little. And when I can see that you are wrapping up, I'm going to pray and then we'll get into it. So have a read and then we'll get into it. let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much that your word is living and it's powerful. And I pray tonight that you will cut straight to our hearts and that you will teach us what you want us to learn. I pray that we would have ears to listen. And I pray, Lord, for every person here, that they would be renewed in their knowledge of who you are. In your wonderful name, amen. I love this psalm. It's a good psalm, isn't it? In fact, I didn't know how much I love this psalm until I started preparing for tonight. It's a psalm of praise, but even more than that, it's a psalm of reminding us of who God truly is. And don't we need to be reminded of that all the time? My three-year-old son, Caleb, has recently started kindergarten. And at the beginning of the year... They have some sessions with the parents there and it's a time for the children to settle and the teachers to get to know the kids a bit better. And they get you to fill out the getting to know you sheet, you know, all the things that they love or concerns that you have or bits and pieces about your family, which is good. But then on the second session, I arrive with Caleb, who was holding it together pretty well, but I could tell he was quite nervous. And I settled him into his activity and said goodbye, and walked out to the car. And as I was walking away, I just had this overwhelming sense of, these teachers are lovely, but 
they don't really know my child yet. I mean, they knew of him. They'd remembered his name. They'd possibly glanced at his getting to know you sheet. I'm a teacher. I know how (laughs) these things happen. But they didn't actually know him. They didn't know who he truly was. And God turned my heart to Psalm 103. And he said, Melody, do you know me? Do you know who I truly am? And this is the question I want us to consider tonight. Do we know of God or do we know who God truly is? It's easy to think we, and easy to make assumptions about us knowing a lot about someone. And the truth is that even though you might think you know something a lot about somebody, it's actually very different to truly knowing someone, for starters. Not all the things that we think we know are always true. We can think we know a lot of things about God from things we've heard from other people or maybe seen in their lives or heard on the news, on the media, on the radio, from what we've read on the internet, what we've seen depicted in various artworks. It's really easy to piece together a view of who God is, whether you've ever stepped foot into a church before or not, without actually stopping to check if those pieces are accurate. Or maybe on the completely other end of the spectrum, you do actually know a lot of things about God that are true, but you've never actually allowed them to transform your life. Or maybe you might think there was a time in your life that you did know God deeply and you experienced that deep fellowship and relationship with him but lately it's feeling like a distant memory and you've forgotten all the things that you knew David who was a leader of God's people is the person who wrote this psalm and if you're curious at all why it starts with him urging himself with all that is within him with all of his soul to bless the Lord then we need to actually find out who this God, who is worthy of this worship, truly is. So let's do that tonight. And hopefully you've started to gather some of those things as you've been reading through yourself. So I'm going to start at the beginning, which is a very good place to start. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. David knew one very important truth about himself, and it's very true of me and possibly very true of most of you here tonight, and that is that we are prone to forget. And what do we do if we want to make sure that we don't forget something? We create reminders for ourselves. For me, that's setting multiple alarms on my phone that all go off at various points in the day or sticking a million post-it notes around my house or saying things to myself over and over and over again in my head or begging my husband, please help me to remember this. If something is important enough, we will do whatever it takes to make sure that we remember it. And so what is David urging us and himself to remember? It is the benefits of God, of who God truly is. 
David knows that he is prone to forget who God is. I know I am prone to forget who God is. I need reminding. I make every effort to make sure I do not forget my hairdressing appointment. How much more important the urgency to grow in the knowledge of God, to nurture my relationship with the Lord of heaven and earth. It's challenging, isn't it? And yet, how could I not want to get to know this God? Have a look. In verse 3, he forgives all our iniquity, all our moral uncleanness, and he heals all our diseases. In verse 4, he redeems our life from the pit. I love that image. We all can relate to being in that place. And there'll be some people here tonight who are probably feeling there right now. And yet God says, I redeem you from that pit. I am your rescuer, your saviour. And more than that, I crown you with steadfast love and mercy. There couldn't be two more contrasting pictures there, could there? This is the true God. Do you know him? Let's keep going. In verse 5, he satisfies you with good and renews your youth like the eagle. This is satisfaction unlike anything in this world can offer. In verse 6, he works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. In verse 7, he has made known his ways and acts to his people. He is no stranger to us. And verse 8, I love. He is merciful. He is gracious. He is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. This is the true God. And when we hear these truths about God, we can't help but feel totally and utterly undeserving of such steadfast love, such grace, such mercy. The sinfulness of our own hearts is completely exposed. Our pride, our forgetfulness, our so-called achievements, our continual striving to be in control of our own destiny. And don't we women love that? (laughs) We want to be in control. We have done nothing to deserve all that God offers us. No amount of goodness on our part. No amount of trying. No amount of good deeds or kind works. All of us have fallen short. And not even just short. We don't even come close. The only thing that we deserve in light of who God is, is the holy wrath of God. And yet, our God is steadfast love. He does not leave us in that helpless state. He sends his only son, Jesus, into the world. And Jesus, who was without sin and was the son of God, becomes sin for us. And because of his sacrificial death on the cross, and because of the shedding of his blood, if we just believe in him, in verse 10, we are not dealt with according to our sin, and we are not repaid according to our iniquity, our moral uncleanness. In fact, in verse 12, it says, as far as the east is from the west, that's how far he has removed our transgressions, our rebellious acts from us. 
So if you're feeling unworthy and inadequate, what Jesus has done is good news. And if you're feeling weighed down and burdened, what Jesus has done is good news. The price of your sin has been paid for. You are free to believe and to know God in a way that you never could have if it wasn't for the sacrificial death of Jesus. And why would God do this? In verse 11, Because as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love for those who fear him, who believe in him, who revere him. This is the true God. Do you know him? Do you love him? Do you know for everyone who believes in him, there's access to him, access to this steadfast love, access to forgiveness, to grace, to mercy, that he wants a relationship with you, that he wants to walk with you and carry you and make you more like him, to make you more like who he made you to be. It's so easy to sell ourselves short, isn't it? And even for those of us who believe in God, it's so easy to live a very comfortable, mediocre faith. I get it. We like just enough of God to get us through the day. But not too much that I actually have to change my life or alter my plans or be so blown away by the glory of God that I can't actually live normally anymore. And we only get one life to live. And this psalm reminds us we are dust. Our days are like grass, flowers of the field. And before long, when the wind passes over us, we will be gone. And what will be left then? The first time we ever took Caleb to the zoo, we were at the lion enclosure. And as we were standing there, a magnificent male lion came right up and stood directly in front of us. It was amazing. But just outside the cage, in front of the lion, was a big puddle. And there were some ducks splashing around in the water. Caleb could not take his eyes off the ducks. No matter what we did, no amount of pointing, coaxing, trying to lift up his head, no amount of, Caleb, look, a lion! Nothing was going to distract him from these ducks that were splashing around in front of him. And even though it was standing right there, he never even saw it. How easy it is for us to have our eyes and hearts so full of the crazy ducks that are right here in front of us and completely miss what we're actually here for, the majestic lion. I don't know what the ducks are in your life at the moment. I'm sure they're time-consuming and frustrating. And there's some that don't sleep. I've got a few of those in my house. And they're devastating and they're heart-wrenching, and they're painful. But God says, lift up your eyes. Lift up your gaze. Look who's there. Look what is going to last 
the ducks in our life are time-consuming and heart-wrenching and painful. But believe it or not, one day they will be no more. And guess what? We and all our struggles are like dust and grass and flowers of the field. But in the most magnificent contrast in verse 17, the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him, who believe in him, who revere him. Unlike all the other ducks that consume our lives, God and his steadfast love for you does not change ever. He is everlasting. He is enduring. He is the lion who is worth fixing your eyes and your hearts upon. It's only when we know who God is and we live in his steadfast love that we can bless him with all that is within us despite all that is going on around us. Only you and God know all the stuff that is filling your life at the moment. But in the midst of that, will you take comfort in his great compassion for you, his child? Will you surrender these things to him and allow him to redeem your life from the pit? Will you run to his enduring, steadfast love to allow him to transform your life, to change your heart, to beg him to give you a love for his word, to live each day in the glory of who God truly is and to turn to him without shame when you mess up again. We will all need grace again and again and again and again. But the steadfast love of the Lord is everlasting. And in light of that amazing truth, we cannot help but say, bless the Lord. Let's pray. Father God, you know the hearts of each person here. There are some people tonight who have heard things about you that they never knew before. And I pray, Lord, that you would reveal the truth of who you are to them. Lord, there's people here tonight who know these truths well. But they aren't actually impacting the way that they are living. Lord, lift up our gaze. Fix our eyes on you. Help who you are to be so much more and so much greater than any duck that is flapping around in our life right now. I pray that you would grow in us a love for you and I pray, Lord, that you would continue to reveal to us who you are so that we can live in victory in light of that. In your wonderful name. Amen.